Hello, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Welcome to the second episode of our Hearthstone podcast, HSBGs. I hope you guys are going to enjoy this show. We've got a fun one today. I am Collins, Educated Collins on Twitch. Da, 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 da. Joining me here today is Shady. How are you guys doing? How are you doing? <laughs> guys, people, went, hey guys. Uh, it's. Uh... It's been good. Had a, a lot of fun playing this week. Excited to share. Yeah, I heard you were a little bit sick this week, right? You had a little issue, you know. You feel yeah, better you now? Might hear it a little bit, but uh, overall, this is the first day I'm actually doing doing decent. So, it's good uh, timing. Got uh, got some job for you <laughs> first day. Back to work. There we go. I, I my brother's come over uh, this week, so I haven't been like too into the game. You know, I keep up on things, but you know, just been relaxed a little bit. You know hope to get back into the swing of things things like that uh in terms of like playing battlegrounds i haven't played too much battlegrounds but i still played a lot uh just generally before he came just you know having fun just playing uh, i was really just uh working on forcing the same comp i was kind of uh trying to hyper level see how it went it, it was kind of interesting for me because at the beginning of, of like the session i would i would i wasn't doing that high uh I would hyper level it and I would die like I would get like perfect lethals and things like that, right? But I, I felt like that wasn't like a the necessary like it wasn't indica uh indicative of the actual gameplay. So I kept doing it, kept kind of forcing it. And then like the end of the week, end of the day, I was like first for a second, you know. So it it was kind of interesting just seeing like I didn't really change my playstyle, but just kind of uh grinding that uh composition was able to work out. Yeah, it seems like there's a inherently very high risk, high rewards. When you say power level, can you maybe elaborate a little bit? What was your average curve? Like, what would it what would it look like? Uh, you I would like level to a tavern four on eight gold, and then like, you know, stay a, stay a turn and then level to five, and then sometimes level to six right afterwards. <laughs> you know, uh, it really depends on uh, how i was feeling i would do it if i was healthy in the um in the early game so like if i was playing with yog or something I would, I would be like 30 plus hp at uh turn turn seven or something then you know it's like eh, maybe i'll get away with a turn to see how it, how it went and and really the losses weren't were like perfect like uh you know a little bit lucky as everyone likes to say but it, it felt that way for me yeah, this is this is something. Uh, it, it's something we talked a little bit about last week as well. But I think it's like it makes up such a big portion of um, how to play battlegrounds. Is am I am I going up or am I staying? Right, that's the question you ask at pretty much the start of every turn if you're not tier six already. Like, am I going up or am I staying? And right now, the the theory that I'm playing around with is that you. You, I don't actually like tier five as much anymore. We can talk a bit about that afterwards. Okay. But um, that, that's something that I did like in the previous patch. But I think on this patch, I really like tier four. But I think it's also acceptable to go fast six. And it depends a little bit on how well you're doing. Because uh, some games you're going to be doing really well, but you didn't take the fast six. And the person that was also doing really well will take the win because they've got the Amalgadons and you don't, right? Or they've got the... You know, three Elizas or double Kellys, and you don't. And you were just doing well, right? You were you were healthy. You stayed on tier four, and uh, you then went to five at a reasonable time, and then you didn't push six afterwards. And you just have a good enough menagerie board. You're like, oh, I've got a Battlemaster, right? I've got a Murloc. It's got poison on it. But then, 
they just show this monster board and you're not strong enough to beat them. I think staying on five really kind of depends on uh, what compositions you're looking for. I, I, I know you personally don't play a lot of Murlocs uh, just generally. And I, I think if you have like a bunch of Murlocs and you like, you're like, ah, oh, let me find the brand, right? I know you don't probably don't like, ah, oh, let me roll for brand and <laughs> kind of thing but uh there are there are a decent amount of compositions if you're going for like, like fang scaling right you can stay on five if you're going for like you're looking you have a brand and you're looking for like battle master jugs and, and stuff like that to to stay alive right being on five probably helps you than staying on four and yes okay. so there, there's a there's a couple of directions you can take but i can see where you're coming from where a lot of the five pieces unless you know exactly what you're trying to force don't really uh let you get strong in a turn I suppose what I'm, what I'm trying to say indeed is uh, I don't like going to five fast unless I am, you know, let's say playing something like a Yashiraj and I'm doing well and I have the opportunity to go fast five into fast six. But I feel like just fast five doesn't do that much unless you just get really lucky where you're like, oh, look, a Brana Battlemaster, I'm saved, I'm stable, cool, right? But that that happens rarely, right? Or you hit you go tier five and you hit an early nomi that's not really an early early nomi most of the time anymore usually an early nomi is like oh i just leveled to four i just tripled and it's a nomi like yeah. that's usually an early nomi but when you're power leveling to five you're usually a turn or maybe even a turn or two behind the people pulling the early nomi from the discover so i guess i should have um, clarified that i just don't like rushing tier five if the intention isn't to go blitz straight past to go to six because it feels like on six there is that oh look i have both i have Imp mama i have eliza i have just things that are suddenly boom i have a board i'm strong i'm stable and that that doesn't really happen um you know like even if you you'd need to hit the nuts right and it can happen you can open two light things you can open brand with two jugs and suddenly you're stable but more likely than not it's not the case yeah, I, yeah. i've been doing kind of that like it depends on how healthy i am right but Either I'm on five and I get the nuts, right? Or like that roll, or I'll be like, ah, these rolls aren't good enough. I'll just level to six and then see. Because at six, there's more potential for upside, right? With You hit Eliza Bode in moment. A lot, of, a lot of things that can allow you to stabilize. So even if you lose that battle, that next following battle, you can just flip the script and be the, be the punisher after that, even though you were losing before. So... I, I do like that and I've I've been doing that. that's kind of what I've been talked about just like it depends on how healthy I am and how you know how I feel if I can take that extra loss to go for that role but it's been working out for me uh generally so yeah yeah I I think if you if you can pull it off if you're healthy enough if you're strong enough it's fine just wanted to clarify that um I do think the intention should be oh, I'm not gonna like donkey roll on five uh just for, for you know light thing brand or whatever uh, it should be like, oh, I either open the nuts on five or I'm going to six, as you mentioned. Yeah, that's a good, good point. Very interesting. A lot of, uh, you know, every time we play Battlegrounds, it feels like we discover something different week by week, which is kind of interesting yeah. uh, in that there, there are a lot of games where you play it and uh, once you get the meta, right, you kind of like, oh, okay, I know exactly what to do from it. But with Battlegrounds, every time I play it, Every week goes by, I'm like, wow, I learned something different, or, I, or there's more strategies that I hadn't thought about, or oh, watching this guy play, he plays very different than me, but he's he's doing something that makes a lot of sense if you think about it from his point of view. So it's always nice to have those type of moments where you're like, ah, you know, good to learn something here. Um, 
our kind of next topic we want to talk about uh, XR August Dean kind of revealed this week kind of the MMR distribution uh, if we take a look here you can kind of see uh, his post about it just kind of telling you um, how people stack up right people always ask on streams and stuff like that you know my rating is this how good is it my rating is this you know da 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 da, da. and I, I like to tell people that rating doesn't matter and as long as you're learning and getting better then you're really doing a good job and you don't really need to focus on what particular number it is but people ask anyways and they want to know and here you guys go kind of uh showing you how um how the mmr stacks up so uh at the very top right the top one percent is really nine nine thousand and some people, you know, would be say that's actually, you know, smaller than you think, right? If you're past 9,000, you're in that 1% bracket. It, 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 it goes to show you how, um, you know, skilled the streamers are. Pretty much all streamers are like past this bracket most of the time. If they spend a lot of time with it, it kind of shows you like they're really dedicated. They really know what they're doing, right? And anytime you're watching these people, right? They're, they're there for a reason, right? They're good. They are knowledgeable in the game. So it just kind of shows you that. Um, there's always, you know, things to look at, you know, there's people are skilled and people do play and people come in like thinking everyone's like 15 K right? and <laughs> those are like the 1% of the 1%, right? You can count it on your fingers, those type of players. So it's not super common, but it just shows you that they're, you know, the, the distribution isn't as, um, stacked as you might think, right? The 1% isn't like 1300, right? It's only 9,000 that there's a lot of people in that bracket goes to show as well like how many people uh play the game right it's that, really it's cool to see right uh see how alive it is because if it if nine if nine k wasn't the top one percent you could be like all right well or, or if or they would give us a percent of the leaderboard you could start to count like okay how many people are playing it's cool to see here though like well that's a that's a lot of people playing if 9k is the top one percent yeah yeah and uh you know, even like 7,000, right? It's still like top six, right? So even if you, you know, 2,000 down, that's still, you know, 6% of the player base. It's not that many people. So really, uh, if you play a little bit, you you get up there, right? Like 5K, 5,000 is, you know, upper average, you know? So you got to be proud of your, your uh, you know, your placements, right? It's you, you're not, you're not trying to compare from the best of the best, especially if you're not like a streamer and things like that. Right. You do a little bit, you know, you get up to 5,000, 6,000, you're doing really well for yourself and there's no reason to beat yourself up. Oh, I can't cross this path. I can't cross this line. You're actually doing really well. And it always, it always surprised me when people are like, Oh, my rating is this, you know, should I feel bad about it? And I'm like, no, that's amazing. That's a really good rating. You're doing really, really well. And they're like, Oh, but it's not your rating. And it's just like, doesn't matter, you know. You don't play nonstop every single day, right? You, 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 play the game, yeah. yeah. So you you just got to be, you know, proud of yourselves. You know, keep learning, right? Keep trying to get better. That's really the most important factor. Not this random number that you know doesn't really matter in a couple of months from now. What what matters is your own knowledge and skill and and capacity to learn in these games. So it's just something to keep in mind. But you know, if you wanted to know where you stack up, here you go. Right. I also like the way it's structured. It's you're going to meet these like very high ELO people. I think once you're past 7K, you're just gonna have lobbies with 10K plus people yeah. at some point because of the way our matchmaking works and how there's like way more people at the bottom. That's uh, so that that's cool as well, right? Once you're there, you can get a taste of what it's like to be in those lobbies all the time. You can just be like, wow, okay. And then if you do well in those lobbies, you get a bunch of points, of course. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. People, people are like, "Wow, I'm only this rating, and I'm playing against you, Collins." And I'm like, "You're this rating. That is top. You know, top three percent, top one percent. You know, you should be fighting me. Uh, you know, it should be in this bracket. You know, you you don't realize how good you are. You know, viewers, especially people that are watching this <laughs> this podcast, you don't realize how good you are. So you know, just be proud of yourselves and keep working at it. You know, that's that's all I gotta say about that. Um, on to the next topic. Uh, there, we will just be touching on this a little bit. There's a tournament coming up on the 27th, 28th, the F2K in the Invitational Tournament. I happen to be casting with Nicolina, and the Shady is going to be playing in there too. So, you know, if you guys are interested in watching a little Battlegrounds competition, people always ask, hey, when's the next tournament coming up? I've got some news for you. We got one. So, good to see. Yeah, looking forward to it. Tournaments are the best. It's so much fun to to play really try to win and then afterwards just have fun with people that uh, were in the tournament as well yeah it's always like i play a couple of tournaments and the show is always watching me and like critiquing now i get to be on the other side like ah look at shade look at that play <laughs> you bought an arm he's doing it <laughs> i know where this is going uh yeah he's buying another eliza game after game so eliza scam i honestly that that did work out for me last time so uh we'll It'll see be hilarious. yeah for, for people that missed collins's last tournament i'm known as a bit more of a, a scammer right in business shields i played a scallywags and eliza baron camgar do stuff like the uh um scam kazam we call him the secret guy secret hero where you you summon an extra copy of a minion you can play cadgar with that as well and this scam wins left and right colin scammed about half his wins in the <laughs> tournament <laughs> I... so yeah i mean in a tournament setting it's pretty good to know how to scam a little bit you know? yeah a, a quick question uh someone's asking how does tournament like gameplay kind of di uh differentiate from regular gameplay right anytime i'm playing tournaments i tend to be a little bit more serious a little bit more like i i i i don't troll but like i'm less i'm more carefree when i'm streaming normally right if i lose i'm like still feels horrible especially if losing a lot that's not that doesn't change but uh in tournaments right you're really like trying to figure out how to squeeze every ounce of value right you sit up in your chair basically <laughs> and you're just like how does every single role dictate? So I, I, I tend to be a little bit uh, less carefree in, in tournament settings. I think it depends as well on how the uh, structure of the tournament is. Right. Like, do you need to be top four? Do you need to be top two? If you need to be top two in order to advance around, for instance, you can't play too conservative, right? right? You have to land in those first two slots. Whereas top four, you can be a lot conservative. You can play, hey, I don't need to pick Reno here. I don't need to pick Rag and just like pray that I get some good early game. Yeah, I guess it's like, hey, that's an Alec here. I have an early game hero power. I can save a lot of health. I can do some tier four comp and I'm very likely to be top four because some other people that don't have a stable mid game hero, they're going to you know, have to try to win and some of them are going to fail and they're going to bottom out. So that's the uh, that, that's a big part of it. I think in general, you play more conservative in tournaments. I think a lot of tournaments are top four advances so then you have a you have a lot more reason to just not lose um you know if you come in third or fourth you advance and as long as you make it to the finals you're fine yeah I, I do agree that format plays a huge part in uh how you play your games right when uh getting first is everything right then people tend to go crazy because they know oh if i'm not first then it doesn't really matter what placement i am right so i'm just gonna go 
uh, extremely, extremely hard, make the most riskiest plays because that's the highest chance to get first, right? And even if I get last, I don't really care. Whereas if uh, every game matters, every point matters, and you know, getting top four reward gives you uh, some type of reward, then you tend to see a little bit more conservative play because people are, are trying to make plays that even if they don't get the nuts, they can at least salvage the game and go for a top four placement. So I do think the format is really, uh, does kind of dictate what type of plays you see and how aggro or aggressive people play. Yeah, I think from a pure viewer standpoint, it's a lot of fun when there's the high risk, high reward strategy that gets, uh, I guess, rewarded when, when you are really incentivized to go for number one, you get some, you get some crazy stuff, right? People just be like, all right, I'm just going to take a bunch of pairs level and roll and I'm going to hit it or I'm dead. Yeah. It just reminds me of all the people trying to go cad guard tournaments and then failing. <laughs> just right, right. You go for the, we're talking about the old cad guard yeah. token transition. Yeah, now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so trying to do it and then be realizing ah, i can't like reset so it's a lot harder to pull it off and things like that oh right yeah that's a huge huge deal definitely something i need to look at um because i i do tend to reset the game from time to time if i'm playing say apm pirates or i've got like a golden brand on millhouse you could just print money with that right every time you have anything with battle cry like uh, the elemental that gives you more cards the murloc that gives you more cards can get very long turns, so that's good. Got to make sure I practice a bit with that. Yeah, I have no, I have all of my faith in you. I believe so. I, I ain't too worried here. Uh, next thing we're talking about is we're talking about the card for the day. Today we shall be talking about Arm of the Empire. It got a recent buff, a couple a week or two weeks ago. Just uh, instead, it used to give. Uh, Minions three attack when they when they get attacked. Taunt minions three attack when they get a buff. Now they give taunt minions two attack, but now it's permanent, so it lasts turn after turn. I really thought this was going to be uh, kind of a broken change when I saw it. I was like, anytime you're giving permanent stats to minions, I think that's uh, is ground for it being a good card because there's not a lot of cards that do that. All the cards that do that have some t type of uh, potential, some value, right? I think the. Uh, like the senses and stuff like that, right? They, you can run them in your comp and build comps around them if you have the right pieces and you get them early. So this one kind of falls in line in that it kind of opened up a whole new comp or at least solidified it. I think um, the comp in existence kind of had the pieces, but it wasn't like clean. You couldn't uh, rely on it. I think if you get arm now and you have the uh, enough like divine show taunts, you can really make a comp that can uh, last at least to like top four pretty easily. So. Kind of think it's a good card, especially a card if you pick up early on three, you can kind of use it as a directional piece if you get uh, other supporting pieces early on as well. It's a very safe card, I would say. It's got good stats on its own. It's a three cost or a tier three, four, five. If you look at a lot of the tier it's three, a minutes, yeah, right, it's a Yeti. Yeah, it's a Yeti. That's just a good stat line that trades favorably. There's a lot of four, three, four, four, three, threes that have an effect. Um, so the arm on her own is already pretty decent. But then if you just add, say, one Acolyte of Cthulhu, the 2-2 two, two Reborn with Taunt, you've got a really strong minion from pretty much the first turn. The first turn that hits the board, that Acolyte is going to go up to at least four attack. Will probably only be four attack unless they're leading with a one attack minion. 
But then the second half will also deal four. And then the next turn, the Acolyte is going to deal six and then eight and et cetera. And that's just with one taunt on the board. So it's just a, it's a really nice minion to just take when you have any taunts on the board. And then if you get the pieces afterwards for a taunt comp, say, you have a nice Divine Shield minion on the board, you go to four, you hit an Argus, suddenly you have a Divine Shield taunt. And we all know that buffing attack on Divine Shield minions tends to go very well. Yeah, I, I think this card also um, gets a lot of value when mechs are in the game just because a neural module is something you can always buy and just place and not even worry about it, putting it on something else, right? If you just have a neural module with an arm, right? It It's doing the job of putting something on, like you put something on the arm to buff something stronger, but if you can buff the neural module by itself, you don't really need to put something on the neural module. I got those words. You could just play it vanilla, right? Yeah, you, you can just play, play it vanilla. Yeah, the two four turns into, you know, unless something goes wrong with say it gets hit by a kaboom bot or so, that two four is going to have at the very least six attack at the end of that fight. That means you're getting a six four taunt divine shield minion. That's really good. And that's once again only one turn in with one arm. Imagine not two arms grows twice as fast. So you very frequently get 30 plus attack taunt divine shields like this yeah um, it's, it's yeah and a... another another fun use yeah. for it is uh when i'm when i'm playing the the secret guy we talked about it briefly um one of the <laughs> super consistent uses for secret guy is how do i get ready for mirror image i believe it's called the uh splitting image. Splitting. Splitting, splitting image yeah the the one that makes a copy uh, when one of your minions gets attacked. Now, if if you have an arm next to something that has a module on it, say a bomb or harvest golem, you suddenly get a very high attack divine shield taunt that every time you hit splitting image, you get a second one of those. That's just a very, very, that's a good strategy for top four. If you can do that routinely, especially if you hold a Cadgar for, yeah. let's say, the all-in phase, you sell the rest of your board and you add one or two Cadgars, suddenly you have four or five of these divine shield megatons right yeah definitely seen a couple of games where people have like a a taunted divine shield taunt with like 50 billion attack which is like yeah they they were probably playing arm and then they got splitting image and then they played two cad guards and then they have five of them and you're just like yeah i can't deal with this <laughs> i guess you win you know it's 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 always it, it feels maybe it because it, it is <laughs> but it's it's a reasonable play if you have the pieces to go for it so uh it's always fun to see especially if you're the one doing it <laughs> maybe a little less fun if your opponent's uh you know cheesing you that way but definitely is an interesting card has a lot of upside uh definitely uh, something you can pick up early i i like this card because you can pick it up early and not uh not it's not an investment to pick it up early right there are some piece cards where if you're picking up you're kind of committing because the card isn't strong enough by itself to warrant using the gold on it but this card if you pick it up on uh if you're rolling on tavern three and you see it and you pick it up it's not it's not a bad uh a bad pickup even if you don't use it to buff up taunt minions it's still a four five for three which is a lot better than a lot of the other three drops right a lot of three drops are like four fours uh, Hank, uh, the pirate one, a lot of things like that. So even if you pick it up, you're still getting some value. And then it just opens up uh, picking up an annoyal module, picking up like a, a deflecto or something and taunting it, picking up 
uh, a boulevard and things like that. Just having a lot of good divine shield uh, units on your comp and then having this at the back just protecting and buffing up those units. And then you, it kind of, um, if you can get it early, you, it kind of gives you that safety there where you're like, okay, I'm not going to get super punished because I, I won't lose too bad even if I do lose or someone has the nuts. I still am getting two hits for all of my minions, right? Some, some um, boards, right, you can, you can just get blown up because that one minion will, like, one-shot your whole team. If you have Divine Shield minions, it's hard for them to one-shot everything, especially if they're getting attack buffs. So this has a lot of safety where you can pick it up and not be too invested and just open up uh the direction if you get the right pieces and even if you know you can still do other things without being like ah, i used my whole turn buying this and a bunch of other things i don't really want the turn after george is also a particular hero that uh, loves to play with it because you can just point. take you take <laughs> any taunt and you make it a divine shield taunt so even an acolyte of katoom becomes a real menace once you give a divine shield and then the arm because once it has the Vine Shield, it farms twice as many arm procs, assuming that it's far enough back that it doesn't attack. So Yeah, George and Graybow as well, right? Since Graybow um, makes taunts for you, you can yeah. you get a lot of value. Just like you have a Rat Pack or something, and then bam, the Rat Packs all have taunt. And instead of having for, a 2-3, um, you're having a 4-3 to do it. For, for Graybow, it's more a transitional piece, I'd say, until yeah, you hit yeah. Harbinger. Yeah, you're like looking you're for the Harbinger, harbinger but... Yeah. It's still like a, a easy pickup that super decent there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So definitely an interesting card if you guys aren't using it in your games. Uh, something you can pick up and just like hold and see if you want to uh, go in direction. We're going to be talking about taunt comp a little bit later, and I think that we'll uh, have more like advice on when to pick these type of cards up and when to kind of force that composition. But regardless, still a good piece and just something to look out for in your own game. Uh, the next hero we shall be talking about is a fun one. This fun hero, you know, one of the, one of the heroes you, uh, that have a lot of skill expression, I would say, when you play it. So, or none other than Jandis, you know, one of the one of the more interesting heroes. I think um, a lot of people regard this hero like top, at least top three, uh, right now in this meta. I would say it's 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 definitely up there. Might even be the best in terms of like the highest potential of winning, like the highest win potential, maybe not like the highest, like average placement, but definitely if you can get a token star, right? I would say definitely has the highest <laughs> potential if you start with a token. So uh, it, it's one of those heroes that uh, if you play it and you know how to play it, you, you understand like, oh, this hero does a lot of things and is very, has a lot of upside that when you just look at the ability, it doesn't like seem very, um, broken at first right it's like okay so i can return a minion to the shop that's it yep that's it right how is that strong if you if you've never played battlegrounds or you're you've rarely played and you're looking at this here you're like that seems okay i can replay battle cries wow that's that's great <laughs> but there, there's actually a lot of things you can do with it um uh, especially with the the fact that tokens are in the game right it opens up a lot of tripling potential right the, and there's a lot of ways to utilize the token star uh so tokens are really important because there's two in the tavern one shops right so you can get it very quickly and you can um dictate your game plan from the very first turn right if you get a token star you kind of know what you want to do in your head you want to 
get triples with the tokens and then go from there. Whereas some other uh, strategies, right, it requires you to either have like the brand already or the Nomi already or things like that, where with tokens, you can go, you can get the triple, then you can go make your direction from the triple and things like that. So it has a lot of potential. I know you want to, you know, go into depth about this here. So I'll, I'll let you take it away. <laughs> Yeah, when when both tokens are in, I don't think there's anything that comes close right now. Even though the, I mean, the stats say that Cthune at around our, you know, MMR HS uh, replaces, Cthune is uh, the best, which I suppose makes sense because tokens aren't all always in, right? And doesn't take that in consideration. Now, yeah, if you get a token on turn one, I would say you're uh, you're heavily favored to take the whole lobby just because it's it's that impactful. You've got a lot of different things you can do when you get the token or if you get the token later on. So it's not even that, oh, you know, this seems like a gimmicky hero because what do I do if I don't get a token? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you can do, but you can get a token one or two turns later and still catch up in a meaningful way. Um, now, the standard curve, if you open a token is you're going to buy the token, then you're going to swap the token back in the shop, you're going to freeze, then you're going to level up, then you're going to buy the token back, play it again, swap it back in the shop and play it again. And then you can either get your three drops straight away. And that's the safest one. I think if you're new to GM this, that's probably, you know, one that's gives you a little bit of confidence. You're like, okay, I did the thing, made the triple with the token. I get to pick a three drop. Now a very special three drop is Cadgar because now every time you play your token, you make two of them. So it goes twice as fast. Yeah. I, um, I, that's what yeah. I like to do generally uh, before I, we, we talk yeah, about the other no, way. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'd say it's also, and in, in, like, especially if people are trying it out, it's a more user-friendly one where you get the, uh, get the three. There's less specific things you need to do to stay healthy. Now you might say, well, what's the, what's the other one then? Um, the other one is where you get your token at the same time, but you're going to hold it in your hand until you're tier four and then the turn you go to tier four uh, which i believe is on eight gold i would have to double check exactly yeah, it's what eight gold, yeah. um then you just play both your tokens and you get two five drops and then there are so many options right you can get double nomi you can get brand begurgle you can get just a single begurgle if you have been swapping murloc tokens so you already have murlocs on the board from then on you can swap the begurgle every turn to give your entire board plus two plus two you can get one or two Mithrax. You can get Light Fang. Um, so many, many things. Double Hogger. You know, if, if you yeah. have to pick a Hogger <laughs> in the first one. Yeah, Collins is like, that doesn't do anything. Double Hogger. I mean, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of... Five drops right now, even though I don't love... <clears throat> I don't love rushing to tier five. I love tripling into five drops. So, because when you have five drops, it really enables tier four to do the most... Um, when you have a brand, you know, those jugs are amazing. You get Primal Fin, you get Begurgle. So lots and lots of things you can do once you have a couple good five drops. Now, let's say you don't get the token on turn one. There's still some, some stuff you can do. So there's Swabby that you can get on turn one, which then allows you to roll one time before you level the turn after that. And then you can still freeze a token in the shop because if you get an extra reroll with either Swabby because you have one extra gold because the level now costs three instead of four or the reroll elemental, I don't exactly even know what it's called, but it's the one three that gives you a free reroll. You can do the same thing. You get one extra free, one extra reroll. And then either 
you're going to get your second five drop one turn later, where you, do, where you proceed as normal. You just make a token every time and you triple them. It just means that you need one extra turn for the second five drop, or you find either another token or a Capgar in the shop to catch up, or you triple into a brand and then you're also caught up. So even if you're a turn behind, you can still have the two five drops at the same turn if you see either another token, a Cadgar, or you triple into a brand with your first triple, um, your first five drop. Yeah, so this, this that's getting into complicated territory. Yeah, right? yeah, sorry, I don't mean to go. Like, I love that though. That's that's what I like. I like nerding out over these things. I'm like, no, no, don't worry, you can you do the one free, we buy the floppy, buy the pirate, get the one reroll, and get the token anyway. Because you make it a lot more consistent that way. Because you could say, like, oh well, don't open a token turn one, it's game over. I don't get to do the thing. It's fine. But if you if you see two or three additional shops, that that in, that very much increases the consistency if both tokens are in. Yeah, I want to talk about um, what you do with Diana's if you never see a token, right? Because that's that's going to happen some games where um, you you don't start with a token and you're rolling, you don't see a token and things like that, right? If you just normal like level on turn two normally and you're just not seeing uh, tokens on five, six, and things like that, there are there are games where it might be like turn four or five and it might be too like you already have like five minutes on the board and you see a token then you're like ah, i have to sell half my minions and i'll take two extra turns and it, it's getting i'm already like losing health so it doesn't feel safe and things like that right so there's just definitely um games where you're not going to get just any token any value and, and you'll have to rely on other ways to utilize janice right i want to kind of talk about those other options where if you have janice right so a lot of this is really going to depend on what's what minion types are in the shop right uh janice does well with a token minions right so that's beasts and murlocs right murlocs also have a lookout right lookout burgergo right those are also two targets even if you don't get tokens you just get a lookout you can really uh go for murlocs with with just a lookout right especially if you hit a brand then you're you're super solid so that's one option if you don't get uh, a token stem but you get a lookout you can still do Murlocs and things like that. Uh, if you have demons in the shop, right? Demons have some value, especially at the beginning, if you don't get a token, but you get like a demon and the imprisoner. Well, um, the, what's it called? The two, three demon buffer, right? You can just buff demons. Uh, in, overseer, yeah. overseer, yeah. You can buff demons for a little while just to uh, keep your board healthy, keep your board strong. It's not something you might keep for the rest of the game, but having like a two, an extra two, two in stats every turn without really utilizing or without really any drawbacks is just something you can just fill in and especially if you start getting to tavern five right you can start swapping battle masters battle master swapping used to be really powerful it's a little less powerful because there's a lot of answers people play a lot of uh, poisons people play giant um elementals which just like one shot your your minion anyway so um it's not as reliable unless you already have a big um like healthy stats or healthy attack on the battle master which can be hard to do so it's not something i would super recommend unless you're really you're really uh low health and you can really take advantage of the battle master and it's early enough in the game where uh people don't have like insane poisons or insane stats to counteract it uh elementals right nomi is a good uh answer as well right so the thing with nomi is if you have a Nomi and you swap it. It used to be the case where um, you would get all of the Nomi buffs every time you swap. So it, it was it was it's stronger than it was now, where 
now if you swap it it will it will update your minion to how many nomi buffs it was it used to just add the number to the nomi but it was it was so That's stupid <laughs> Uh, but it's still really good. Um, I had a game uh, recently where I had the the Nomi Nomi Janus, and I just went double Nomi and just like uh, made everything really high stat, and it was really nice to see. So that's definitely something you can do. Another big um, answer if you can get a tier six minion right is just uh, re-rolling your Amalgadons, right? Making sure they have Divine Shield Poison, right? So if you hit an Amalgadon, you're super happy because in a in a one or two turns you can pretty much guarantee they have divine shield and poison on them so uh that's a lot of value so even if you don't start with a token as long as you you know don't throw the game you know sometimes in the mid game right there are ways to like use gold for uh you might like use all your gold like re-rolling a mug right instead of leveling and things like that and, you're getting like plus three plus three a turn but you're not giving yourself a direction to win the game right so you got to make sure that you're still leveling in a reasonable matter that you can find answers find compositions that can get you into that top four spot so there are there are a lot of other lines even if you don't hit a token that you can work on yeah i, I think uh, the way you look at the non-token game a lot of the time is as long as you're strong you can still level and find the stuff that makes the swapping really good, like Brand, like Nomi. So especially on eight gold, where you would normally with the token push tier four to triple into fives, you can probably still push tier four, but instead of having the um, the five drops to bail you out, you just have buffed minions, especially if you've been buffing, say, a homunculus with an overseer every turn you're just going to be stronger than people that haven't been doing that for the most part. So then you can just level behind that and then find the things that make it worth. So as Colin says, you don't have to spend your entire game on tier four swapping one jug and be like, this hero is kind of bad, but hey, I did the thing, I swapped the jug. <laughs> you can use those buffs to be strong to then level to find the things that make it worth. And I do think for Jandis, it's a lot nicer to be on tier five than a lot of other heroes because you can, you know, the moment you find any of those cool cards, you're just, you're just off, right? You just, you get to do your thing. You get to play the game. Yeah. And, and another thing about Jandis is it's not just battle cry abusing that makes Jandis good. There's other things you could use, right? So with the addition of faceless Tava, the faceless Tavern goer, right? You can, make a lot of triples very easily if you have two and a faceless you can instantly triple uh even if you're holding on to uh two copies you don't you don't need to have a copy find the faceless then find the copy if you have two copies you just swap the second swap the copy on the board may uh target it with the faceless and instantly get a triple right I, you do that with brand a lot you have two brands in your hand it, well one on the board one in your hand you see a faceless right that's an instant triple you just target the brand on the board and then faceless and you instantly have a uh, uh a golden one another thing you can do with uh Janice is there are minions that get buffed from playing other minions right so uh things like the the one two the three two um death rattle buffed minion uh what's it called Soralisk, we talked about it, right? You can yeah. flip for that. Uh, things like Mama Bear, right? If you have a Mama Bear and then you play a Beast, right? You're buffing the, like, let's say a Hydra. You buff that, you can target the Hydra and play it again, get a, get two buffs that turn. So 
it's not just battle cries that make Jandis good. Battle cries is like the standard and what really rises her to the next level, but there's still a lot of other things you can do with Jandis to make use of that hero power. And uh, one the, the crowd favorites like for the late game is Amalgadon, where hey, you didn't roll Divine Shield, you didn't roll Poison, well, I get to try again. That's fine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely always nice to have those um, those moments where you play Amalgadon, you don't get what you want, you flip it, you play it again, hey, perfect, let's go. <laughs> I've done it, you know? It, it always feels bad when you play the Amalgadon, you get like three adapts and they're like, attack, attack, you know, you know, taunt, and you're just like, hey, I have a 12, 12 six taunt. That's, that's worth yeah. my six draw right there. Yeah, so. It, 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 it's nice when you get the you get to re retry it and and make sure that you're getting the pieces that you need. So definitely think it's a very interesting hero, very powerful. I would say definitely top three, um, one of the more consistent heroes. Very strong if you get a token star and has a lot of skill expression. So if you like that type of gameplay where each each decision matters, this is a hero for you. All right. So next topic we shall be talking about is none other than when to get a five drop versus getting a six drop. So me, you know me, I'm going to go first. I get the six every time. Doesn't matter what we're doing. Six drops for me, nonstop six. Give me triple Caligos, turn nine. Let's go. That's what I like to do. Unfortunately, it doesn't work all the time. And a lot of times they will kill me. So, you know, I've been, you know, dragging it back reluctantly. Like, hey, maybe, maybe forcing Caligos every game, you know, is losing me MMR than trying to get a brand or trying to get a Mythrax or whatever. So, you know, there, there's definitely some moments where going for the six isn't the way to go. I do, realistically, I do like going for sixes just because it has the most, like, potential upside. I like blowing out people. <laughs> you know, like, destroying with a board they've never seen before. This is the nut. And if you go for sixes, that's how you do that. But in, in like, target settings and things like that, especially if you are taking a lot of uh, health, taking a lot of damage early, Right, the there isn't a safety net, right? If you go for a six and you do you miss, you lose instantly, right? And that that a lot of times isn't the way to go, right? If you're if you're getting if you're taking a lot of damage, sometimes you need to go for a five, go for a stabilizing unit, then you can uh, recover from there and then get sixes uh, on the way up. So sometimes getting a five is the way to get the six because you're not gonna get blown out and die. Which, you know, some, it's, it's, it's something you have to learn. At least for me, I have to learn to practice where, you know, you lose a lot, couple of times and be like, huh, if I just got the five here and then I stabilized, then I would have got the six the turn after. And and especially when you do it, you pr you actually go for the five and then the, like two, three turns later, you have like two six drops and you're like, huh, okay. <laughs> like, there's something there. So uh, usually it depends on like hero, what hero for me in terms of, the hero and the health, right? If I have a hero like uh, Maev and Rafam, things like that can easily level to Tavern 5 without taking too much damage, then it's a lot easier to, to commit to, oh, get a 6, because, oh, I have a Maev, I'm guaranteed a, a, a 6 drop, and I'm like 30 plus HP, okay, well, I'll get a 6. Whereas if I'm playing like one of the maybe lower tier heroes that have that struggle leveling, and it's like, ah, I, I can't level as fast as the other heroes, 
I'll just get a five and then try to stabilize from there and then see what I can do with uh, the five I get in the direction that I have on the board. So um, it's kind of interesting. Just uh, a lot of times if you're, if you're just new or you're just like, you're feeling it, you're feeling yourself like, let me get the six. But uh, sometimes you got to take a step back and, and say, if I do get a six, let's say I get the Caligos, am I going to survive? I see a lot of games where people have like two Caligos and they're dead. And it's just like, I see what you did. You were doing what I was doing. You're getting the six, but you forgot to look at your health total. And I see you only have five health here. Well, you're dead now. And it, it just sucks. It feels really bad. I feel bad for them. Like, ah, they had the pieces. If they could survive one, two more turns, they would have probably dominated the game. But they weren't respecting their opponents and how much damage they would take in the, in the process of getting those six drops. Yeah, uh, the way how Collins prefers sixes, I I do prefer fives. I guess we are, you know, in that <laughs> regard, we we complete each other a bit, right? Now, I, I think my main problem with going for a six, um, now sometimes I'll I'll do it, right? And and then there's always the the correct case for it, right? But my main problem with getting the six is that you're forced to level to five, and it's this big all or nothing moment, and then you see genie rag and a max now you're like oh lord i guess i take a question mark right you're like something you're like genie and go to six let's go baby right <laughs> let's and... go <laughs> i do that sometimes but you just leveled to five and a lot of the time you have a lot of you know one star pieces on your board because that's generally speaking how these early six drops come to be you were holding tier one pairs your board doesn't do much you have that turn, you have a 4-5 that poops out an elemental, very nice, and you get smacked down to 8 health or something on that very turn. Good luck stabilizing the turn after. So I, I do think that in, in certain cases, these Rafam curvers like Maev, Rafam, if they have the, um, the triple ready and they guaranteed can get it at uh, the turn where you level to 5, you get your 6-drop, and you had a good start. I think that's a big part of it. A uh, big part of it is, let's say I'm Rafam and my pairs are Micromummy and I have Acolyte. Oh, that's strong. That's going to kill a lot of units. That's going to save a lot of health. I'm going to win rounds that I would normally not win holding, say, an Alley Cat pair or Murloc Tidehunter right, pair. Right. Uh, Acolyte pair and Micromummy pair is going to do a lot more work. I stole an early spawn somewhere. Ooh, I'm strong. Nice. Yeah. Now I can look for, and then, then, I, then I double check the units elementals are out pirates and dragons are in let's go all right let's get in the wagon there's a scally wagon to shop i'll freeze it let's do it right so that 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 can definitely happen but i think that is more the exception than the rule i think the rule is i probably want to get to four i want to cash in on my triple then i want to spend a little time on tier four stabilizing and then as colin says suddenly two turns later you have the six because you're stable you're able to pick the good pairs you open up the triple, hey, here's the six anyway. Maybe it's not full dragon mode, but you have dragon menagerie where you have an early brand that you pulled out. You now, you're stable with, say, um, <clears throat> a, a mech that you've been buffing and then a, a divine shield dragon. And then you suddenly add a Caligos. And then before you know it, you have four dragons on the board and you're looking for that Nadina. And you've kind of segued into that late game comp but you earned it through getting strong on tier four with the five drop, as opposed to just, let's just rush, 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 all in, all in, straight for the Cali, 
pray to God I live. And if I don't, never lucky, Bob, why you do this, right? So that's, yeah, I, I'd say that's my main problem with the game right now. It's I used to do that a lot more, just the blind faith. Let's go in straight for the thing I want. Hope to God I can stabilize. But it's just so much more consistent to earn that through being strong and arrive there with 25 plus health. And so I'm like, hmm, my board is strong. I have a really good chance at taking the lobby now. And, and even if you don't take the lobby, you're probably still going to be top two. Top four, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, People yeah. that don't rush to Cali, they can't be top two, right? Yeah. yeah. I would say the the one thing about getting a six is it tends to, like if it doesn't work out it tends to be the most punishing games. Uh, anytime I look at my uh, like previous games, my track record, right, all all the games that tend to be like eighth place, maybe not seventh, but eighth place, right, it always tends to be like um, I look for something and I don't get it, right, and then I don't know how to stabilize, right. I have a bunch of like one drafts that don't give you any direction, and then I try to spend like a turn trying to stabilize and I don't figure it out or I don't hit like uh, Brand Bergergo and then. You know, you you whimper out, or you don't get it, and then people get it, and then they hit you while you don't have it. That turn, like that 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 moment of weakness, right? They got the mama, you didn't get anything, right? The mama summons a bunch of you know a bunch of big boys, <laughs> and you just take a you take twenty plus damage, and you're just like, yeah, okay. So it it, it is the the play style of going for six ends up being the more punishing of the two because uh the the thing about getting a six is you're investing your whole turn leveling so that you can get the six right whereas if you go for the five you get the five and even if you don't get a good five you can still spend that extra that extra goal that you would have spent leveling rolling and trying to stabilize from there so even if you're you don't get what you need, right? The five doesn't give you anything. You're still going to end up stronger than if you just went for the six because you're going to have that extra goal to roll and figure out what you need to stabilize if you don't get it, right? Sometimes you do hit the five, you hit the light fang, and you already have, like, a composition. Then you're like, well, I could just level. Like, I don't need to do anything because the light fang's giving me exactly what I need. So you end up being in, like, a stronger position than if you just went for the high roll, went for the six, right? So there's there's a lot of value uh, to going for the five, um, especially if you're you're taking a lot of damage and you don't feel strong, right? It's it, The really key thing is looking at your board and saying, will I take a lot of damage this turn if I level, right? Uh, if you're like, if you're Maya, if you're uh, Omu, you're uh, Rafam, and you have like a spawn and things like that, and you like well my board's already stronger than most people's boards at this turn i probably won't take a lot of damage then you can go for the risk right but a lot of heroes don't have that uh feature they don't have that uh reliability of leveling so you have to be like okay if i level here and i don't kid anything i'm probably dead so is that is is that risk worth it a lot of times it's not it's really not but yeah i do it anyways <laughs> but it's it's not so the the rational the reasonable play is to take the five go from there try to stabilize and and make your direction you don't need sixes to win right that's that's something you can win with tier threes and tier fours if you get a really really strong juggler comp early on when no one has any composition you know it it, it, it isn't a nest it isn't necessary that you make the strongest board every single game right if you have a good five you have a a good menagerie comp you have a hydra cleave with divine shield 
follow-ups, right? That will beat most players, uh, even in, into the late stages of the game. So it's not necessary that you have to make Kelly Ghost, you have to make uh, a scam comp or whatever you're looking for, right? You can definitely win with just like Menagerie or, or Murlocs or or uh, Elementals and just stay on five or, or, or even four if you get the pieces from tripling and so on. I think it's also it's it's tough to remember that it, a lot of the time you just think oh there was that one time where i pulled the kelly and it worked or i pulled the eliza and it worked so even for myself is like, i need to remember that yeah but that's not most of the times <laughs> so it's it's hard to evaluate because like there is real merit to rushing that six when it works it's just more often than not you're 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 not going. You're either going to miss, or you're going to hit exactly what you want and still not have enough time to uh, to stabilize. Th that's the worst part when you know that one more turn and you would have taken the lobby. Right? You pulled the Cali, you had the dragons, you played, but then some guy had a taunt comp or a juggler comp and deals fifteen to you. What an unreasonable tempo player! And suddenly you're dead. Yeah. We have been talking a lot of, you know, the drawbacks of going to six. I want to, you know, give some credit to six. Six drops are great. Getting a six early is one of the strongest things. You get Caligos, you get two six drops, you get two Caligos, you've won the lobby. You can just, like, just play Battle Cries, turn your brain off, you know? Getting six is the best way to turn your brain off, you know? If you like doing that, I like doing that sometimes. Just, like, I don't want to think about this game. I've got two elemental rags and a genie. Okay, let me just... Um, Elementals, da, 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 I won. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of uh, features. And, and if you're really good, if you have a really good uh, skill set of stabilizing, like I didn't get what I want, can I stabilize? Then, you know, going to six isn't too bad if you know, okay, how, how do I make my board strong enough that I, I'm still on five, right? Like the, the, the benefit of going to six, even if you miss, is even if you miss and you don't die, you're still on five, right? You still can salvage the board from there. So even there are games where I go I go get a six, don't don't get anything, and then I'm like, ah well, I'm still on five. Let me get a brand, let me get a burger go. Two turns later I have a I have a gigantic board and it's like, well, I didn't the six was useless, but I was still able to stabilize from there. So it's not like, oh yes, never go to six, never do it. You know, if you have a if you are, you know, a risk taker, you do that type of play style and you can uh, stabilize. You're very good at like looking at the what Bob gives you and saying, okay, so I see a direction. It doesn't, it's not a direction my board has, but it's a direction Bob's giving me. I can buy all the minions in the shop and stabilize from there. Then yeah, go for it. You know, sometimes you roll into double hogger and then Chitty's like, let's go, you know? <laughs> and I'm just like, well, you can do that. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> do that <laughs> you know so there are definitely some some things you can do even if you don't get uh the direction from the six or direction just from leveling that going for a six even if you don't get it there are some benefits to that if you are the type of player you can that can salvage the game then you know try it out for yourself see if you can you can perform well there right if you do it do it a couple of times and you realize every time you don't get the six you want you just get eighth then maybe you want to play a little bit safer right there are a lot of people that okay go for six don't get the six right and they still end up top four you know like this they're like how do you do that you know and you 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 watch the games and you're like i wouldn't have done half of the plays they they made when they didn't get what they wanted right so people are there are a lot of players are really good at 
doing well when they get everything they want, right? Like, I think that that's a really difficult skill set to learn where you you don't get anything you want and you're still able to do well, right? If the if Bob gives you two Caligos and an Adina, uh, yeah, you can win the game. Good for you. Wow. Well done. <laughs> the thing is, if Bob doesn't give you any of that and you're still able to, like, top four, top two, that's very impressive, right? Like, that's like, okay, well. I couldn't have done that, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, if you realize you, you have a knack for doing that type of plays, being able to stabilize from there, then, you know, go for, go for the risky plays because you're able to, you've proven to yourself that you can uh, adjust in that situation, right? And it, it takes practice, right? So, you know, if you're willing to tank a bunch of MMR to, you know, learn that skill set, then, you know, be my guest. Yeah, I've done that before, you know, just lose and lose and lose. And then you start winning and you're like, oh, yeah, there we go. But, um, the safer pick, right, why we're talking about this is going for a five, especially if you don't have those uh, really good leveling heroes and you're not super healthy, right, is is usually the more, uh, is the pick that will end up giving you more MMR over time, where going for the sixes, even though it's flashy and you end up with stronger boards overall, if you do hit it, will end up overall losing your MMR on the average because the chances that you hit ex exactly what you need isn't enough of a, isn't enough to offset that when you don't hit what you need and you can't stabilize so yeah well said cons i hear you <laughs> no it's good wanna, you want to make sure that we don't just say six drop bad five yeah. drop good yeah i i want i want it because i you know i do i get yeah. sixes all the time and we win the games <laughs> yeah you just you like you've like you've mentioned you have that skill set you've cultivated that it's a lot of a lot of um very quick thinking, right? When things go south, you need to salvage it. All right. All right. So, um, we're moving on. Yeah, we moving on. Now, we've talked about getting a five or six. Now, we're talking about winning the game, right? So, sometimes when you're playing these uh, these games and you're, you're uh, you know, you're in top two, you're feeling comfortable. You're like, okay, I'm in top two. Then you're, you you fight your, the number one player and you're like, wow, how do I deal with this? This guy's got, you know, 500 HP guard. <laughs> what do I do? Yeah, no, there are things you can do in this game to uh, deal with those situations that, you know, I don't like to do, but <laughs> Shay lost. <laughs> I do right. it sometimes. So. Welcome to Scam Town, guys. Yeah. So the, the main thing for the late game something that you see on streams as well and you're probably already familiar with is make sure you're starting to collect selfless heroes because adding uh, two divine shields to your board and potentially four with a golden selfless baron combo that can definitely be the difference between winning or losing the 1v1 so usually you do this let's say you've had a normal menagerie game and you've scaled up your minions now it's time to go give them divine shield and then you can put that in instead of the brand and the buff slot or the two light fangs you had running or whatnot, because those units don't really do too much for the late game. Now that's that's your basic stuff, right? I'm going to take out my engines, my scaling units, and I'm going to replace it with some Divine Shield tech. Now, as Collins, men Collins mentioned, sometimes they do have a 5 in health car. Sometimes they do just have 80 health Murloc. And you're like, good Lord, what can I do here? So a, a very a very good uh, thing to do in that situation is to look at your minions and compare it to their minions and say, does this minion do anything, right? If you have a 25 attack health demon and they have 40 40s, 
it doesn't do anything. Like it, it doesn't cover their minion. At that very moment, a 1-1 poisonous spore is just better than your 25-25 demon. Because if the spore connects with something on the other side, it will kill it. 25-25 will not. I got a question. Okay, what if I have a 40-40 demon and they have a 50-50, you know, Murloc or whatever? Well, yeah, if it, if it covers the majority of their board, you can keep it on. But if it doesn't, if it covers maybe one or maximum two minions on their board, we say, well, this can this can maybe kill you know their weakest murloc. Then a lot of the time that spore is still better. So for for that part of the game, you start looking for toxins if murlocs are in. That is, if murlocs are out, this is a lot tougher to do because then you're stuck with maxness and spores for your poisonous, assuming beasts. Are in. Uh, another question. So what if they have like 50-50 poisonous murlocs, and I have like a forty. 256 hp battle mass you know like, <laughs> yeah as as sad as that is once there is poison on the majority of their board <sighs> especially if you've counted your battle master you have to sell your 500 health battle master i don't know i don't know if i can do that shit you're telling me hey i've got like a 300 hp battle master you're telling me sell it and play the one one this is what you're saying here Oh, it sucks, but that spore is an expert at taking that 500 health guards or 80 health Marlocks or whatnot. Pain. Especially when you combine it with that selfless uh, Baron. Is, because sometimes, as Collins likes to do, right? I, I, I guess this is a little bit annoying because I tend to scam people like Collins that are in the spot. <laughs> I've turned off my brain. I've got five Caligos. I play Battle Cries. Everything is among us. It doesn't matter what I do. And then you have a board full of Divine Shield Poison. And suddenly, holy crap, I lost. How did this happen? Now, opponents can counter this, of course. They can have their own ghoul to try and blow up your spores if you do have spores instead of poisonous murlocs. They can have Nadina after dragons to give divine shields to their own board. Um, I had this really cool back and forth today where I played poison scam and my opponent played counter scam and we ended up both having a ghoul for each other's shields and then moving it around to try, okay, I'm going to try to first proc their shields and then ghoul them and then proc my shields. Uh, it gets pretty cool. You, you can add a parrot if you have a golden selfless. So then you have parrot that applies shields to all your poisons. And then you have the selfless afterwards that can reapply the shields to all the poisons. Should they maybe have a ghoul to get around your initial set of shields? It's it's pretty cool. You can you go pretty deep with this. But yeah, it turns out divine shield poison is pretty good. We've, we've seen this in the past where Megasar was in. That used to be your uh, sort of Exodia comp, your final comp where you would make a bunch of Divine Shield Poisonous units, and it's really hard to deal with that. So that's why you're trying to replicate when you're trying to do this, say, a Poison Scam build. The scam refers to, I'm trying to win the game, even though your minions are way larger than mine. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely think that is one of the key pieces of when you're playing for first and you, your opponent has things you can't deal with, right? Put some Divine Shields on, put some Poisons on. Another like really important part of playing for first place, right? This is more... Uh, like hard to do is positioning. Just like how do I position to deal with your opponents, uh, especially in the early games. Positioning there's a kind of a standard to positioning. You put your strong minions first, trying to chunk the, chunk the taunts, things like that, right? Once you get into like top four placement, top three placement, right? Positioning 
versus your opponent specifically really matters. So you have to be paying attention. What does my opponent have on the board? How can I counter that, right? And, and it's very hard to just say, this is what you have to do. Just put this here, put this here, right? It, it, it's a very, it's, a, it's almost like a mind game because your opponent can also position differently to counter your, how you position to counter their response, right? So if you play, you play it, like this happens when people are very healthy, two very healthy people, very skilled people just going at it, right? You have a board and then you, you beat them. They change their position, they beat you. You change in response, you beat them again and you're just like, okay, how, then you have to like, you realize, oh, they're actually paying attention. They're actually positioning to counter my position. Now I have to think, what are they gonna do and how do I counter? act what the, i think they're gonna do and it's just like it becomes a real like very scary game because you know okay this does my position here makes no sense if they play normally <laughs> but if they're trying to counter my position and they they have shown that they do it makes a lot of sense and then you can go into dealing with their comps right sometimes placement of where you put your your selflessness really matters sometimes putting a ghoul not playing a ghoul playing a ghoul far far back or second place to counteract their nadina attack or things like that right there's a lot of uh little placement uh optimizations that can really swing where these battles go and that's really something i i you know i take pride in and like oh like, let me switch here 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 to deal with uh what my opponent's gonna do so it's definitely another aspect of playing for first place is definitely a lot more complicated complicated because it's not a like a oh just you know buy selfless put selfless in you're good to go right it's like play around my opponent's composition or what my opponent is trying to do and it, it's harder to just like have write a guide about so it it's something you want to take note of when you're in your games and you're like oh is my opponent uh changing their positioning or making or playing a composition where i can punish by changing my positioning so just keep that in mind as well when you're in these games yeah and and maybe just like a, a more simpler tip is indeed where we talked about the selfless but the ghoul is also a very big part of it if you are say up against the cthune in the late game chances are he's got quite a few divine shields on his board so just adding a ghoul instead of i don't know like a totally reasonable minion right let's say something that almost covers their board uh, they've got 30 30s you got a 25 25 might be better to just put a ghoul on the board and just get rid of three four shields and then you know the deflecto he's got at the front instead of resetting on that harvest golem you were going to kill now suddenly just splats into your big taunt no reset on the deflecto easy peasy so ghoul's another great unit in the yeah. late game I've, I've lost a couple of games because a it was top four. It was top two. My opponent was George, and I forgot to buy a ghoul. And I'm just like, oh, I then I'm fighting him, and I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Their their whole board is divine shield. I forgot about that. So yeah, just some sometimes you 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 have like one turn, right? But you're playing a hero that utilizes divine shields, or you're playing a comp that you know is running divine shields, mechs, and things like that. And you just you gotta realize, okay, time to switch immediately. You don't have the you don't have the the window to fight their comp once right it's like a top two placement whoever wins this battle wins and you know you're playing a george okay switch immediately you know they're gonna have divine shield and it's just like these things you have to be cognizant of while you're playing right so because you don't have that like battle that first battle to see their board right you just have to know what their board is by their hero they're playing or the comp they're playing cannot hear you if you said something 
No, no, no. Just <laughs> nodding silently in agreement. Uh, I think yeah. that's, as you mentioned, the positioning is a tough one to explain, right? It's, yeah. it's just board to board. There's cleaves. There's, they might have a zap. You might want to move this here. You might want to add, say, you're playing Scallycomb. You want to play a sport. They're counter to zap. So the zap hits the spores, then the Baron, all kinds of cool stuff. <laughs> all of that. So our final final topic of the day, we talked about a little bit earlier. We were talking about Taunt Comp. Taunt Comp is just a comp that has risen. Uh, this patch really, it wasn't really as popular before, but the change of arm really kind of solidified the creation of this comp. I would say this comp was popularized by, you know, a member here in the... In, in this co uh, yeah, Shady really kind of showcased how you could really abuse this comp, especially in the early parts of the patch when people were expecting it and weren't ready to play around it, right? You really want to take it away, talk about it, how, what do you think about it? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess I can just start, like you mentioned, the start of the meta, right? So at the start, I was farming up my smurf and i think it was a, about 11k or so and over the course of three days i gained steady 500 mmr per day just forcing tom come pretty much unless the game screamed at me it's two elizas please for the love of god don't play tom come again i'll be like okay I'll, I'll do something else but it was just so very uh, very solid pretty much all i would do was i would rush to tier four Pretty much religiously by the time i was on eight golds i was tier four so i would choose my heroes around that something that's strong that could keep me relevant i wouldn't want something like a reno for instance because you don't really have a hero power until you zapped something um so that's not very conducive to power leveling so you wanted something like a kill pass or even a syndra ghost as silly as that may sound because she just adds stats to things and then you're strong and you can level to four now, once you're on four, you're looking for arm, you're looking for any divine shield minions, and you're looking for Argus. And that is pretty much it. If you can get, say, four divine shield minions on your board, plant it up with two arms or a golden arm behind it, those are very high attack minions in a matter of a couple rounds. And if people aren't expecting it, any kind of stat war just loses to you. Menagerie just loses. Big pirates just loses. Dragons without Nadina just loses. You just you kill double Caligos builds with this because you know they get plus one health per battle cry, or let's say they've got two Calis, that's plus two health. Every time one of your divine shield minions gets attacked and you have a golden arm, that's plus four attack, so they can't keep up. You gain eight damage per fight minimum on every divine shield taunt. So that's that's too much for just regular stat builds to handle. Now, since then, we've seen a bit more of an adaptation to this. I think there's uh, more counter to it. People are playing either a little bit more either death rattly stuff or they have more divine shields of their own or just whatever it is. So it's not as uh, potent anymore, but who knows, maybe at lower MMR, this hasn't caught on as much yet and it's still very viable there. Um, I would also say that at the start, there wasn't as much of an adaptation to the higher tempo meta yet. Even though people say like, oh, the meta is slower, the meta is slower. It doesn't really have a slow feel to it because the, let's say the early game, getting to tier four, tier five or, or whatnot, that's, there's a lot more tempo there. People are buying a lot more combat units. People aren't like speed leveling 
Now, the average game might be a little bit longer because games would just suddenly end where you would speed level uh, up until turn eight because turn eight, you would want to be able to go to tier six from the house. And then you would just like, you know, in two turns time, four or five people that just smack, smack, smack th those that hit versus those that didn't hit, right? Um, now we don't really see that, uh, but at the start of the meta, there was still a little bit that speed level mentality and uh, a couple people would be dead very early. And now the benefit of this taunt comp is that you didn't level to five ever. It's just not necessary. Everything you want is on four. So just by going to five, you just literally make your pool worse. So the level up button can cost zero and you can stay on four because you do not want things that cost five. And even tripling into six is very rarely you could want the maxna because it's poison. But then again, you may as well argue, I could just triple into a spore. So, that, so that's that's what the comp would look like. And now there's a bit of a meta adaptation to it. So I wouldn't force it every time. But if the game gives you two arms early, then you know what to do. You're like, oh, I've got arms. I can go to four. Hey, there's a Divine Shield minion. Let me pick that up. Hey, there's an Argus. Oh, I can play Taunt comp. I have arms. <laughs> two arms then, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now there's 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 different taunt comps as well, right? Because like we this is the one that I played a ton. Uh, but you mentioned earlier as well. There's also Harbinger, right? Uh, or this like old school taunt comp where you would just taunt your whole board and then play Brand Scavenger. But this is the one the the arm built. Let's call it that arm taunt. That's uh, that's the one I spammed at the start, and I'll still whip it out from time to time. But it's not something that I'm I'm gunning for. It's more, uh, oh, you know, this game isn't going like a menagerie direction, or I'm not, I don't really have my Paris set up. I can just play taunt. I can just play arm build. Yeah, for me, um, I I was I was basically just watching Shady through. <laughs> that was that was my experience. <laughs> like learning about it, I was like, oh, sure, you want to play? He was like, yes, I got this new strategy. Let's go taunt count every game. And I was like, he's really doing it every game. Oh, he's winning. He's winning. Wow, he's actually winning with this. And then I was like, okay, okay, I gotta try it myself. And I was trying it, and it it felt it felt good, and it felt like something I would adapt to my games. And and um, it did drop off a little bit for me. Like I I was um. Trying, I was forcing it a little bit and I was getting punished and I was like, okay, so we've come to a point where it's not forcible, but anytime I see an arm and I see like a, a neural module or something like that, I'm like, okay, there's direction right there. I can go from it. So I do pick it up. I do run it from time to time. Anytime I see the pieces are given to me early enough, right? Or I don't feel safe, right? Uh, another thing I like about this comp is that if you get the pieces early, you don't have to like, you don't have to like force a five and try to try to make a composition right it's like a little bit earlier where you spike so you don't take as much damage right sometimes you're playing a weaker hero and you're already at like 20 single digit hp really early on you're like i can't really i can't really level right if you get the arm you get a normal module you get you get a bovar taunted things like that right you can run that and just be strong enough to get into like top five, top six. Even if you're not going to win the lobby, you weren't in a position to get top four, but you're able to salvage uh, a potential top eight into a top six, a top five, top four sometimes. So it has that upside where you can get it early enough where you know you don't have any other options. You can do this and be uh, content for at least for the uh, the mid to late game. So I, I really like that. Um, it it another interesting thing is it shows up on HS replay. That is a uh, that is impressive because there are so many like little compositions that people make and like oh this is a great composition 
and you look up HS replay, it's not nowhere to be found, right? It's just not popular enough. It doesn't, you don't see it enough where people are like, oh, this is a real comp that people do, right? Well, this comp, you know, it, it's got a 7% popularity rate, which is almost every other game you'll see someone playing this, right? Basically, that's what that means. So definitely, um, it, it's definitely exists, definitely popular, definitely something people are, uh, actively looking at and, and putting it through their compositions, right? Most of the other compositions are basically just the minion types that exist in the game, right? You have Beast, Murloc, all that stuff, right? It's very hard to make your own uh, comp that exists and is popular enough that it actually shows up on uh, tracker stat sites. So uh, I really like that. Uh, unfortunately, it's its average placement isn't like as uh spectacular some of the other compositions because it's a composition that requires a lot of you have to be aware of it right you have to be, know what you're trying to do right and it's a comp that um you can accidentally do right because you have an arm and you're like oh i'll just put play taunts i have an arm and then you 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 don't know what you're doing so you're die but that counts as a taunt comp because oh you have a ton you have an arm it's a taunt comp right and that that put that goes in the average placement where people that are actually playing the comp correctly and putting divine shield taunts and things like that right they're the ones doing well averaging up where the other people that just have an arm and a taunt don't really know they're both showing up but it's the people that are playing it correctly that are doing it uh doing it and getting those placements so. are you telling me that all the other dragon people are also buying battle cries oh, that's crazy yeah, yeah right it, it, it it's it's so weird because you look at the other comps right it's like oh they're playing beasts right they have a mom every time they're playing Kelly goes, they have playing dragons, they have a Kelly goes every time, right? So only only the people that have a Kelly goes are showing up as dragon composition and it's like, yeah, of course they have the highest win rate. Because you have a Kelly goes already. Of course you're, you're gonna do well. You know, where the people that are forcing dragons and then don't hit anything, right? They're like, well, I, I don't count as a dragon comp, you know, I'll just switch my I'll just sell all my dragons, even though I was dragons 90% of the game, right? And then they don't count, right? So it, it it is it is interesting in the track i i always uh want to be careful when you're trying to make decisions based on the the uh, deck tracker stats hs replay and things like that because it's very um it can be very deceiving how they track the stats and, and like oh look these are this is the best comp this is the best hero well if you actually look at how these heroes are played and how they track this the things it can be it it's not very conclusive and like this is this is number one, like cartoon right now is number one, right? And if you ask a lot of, you know, a lot of streamers and stuff like that, they're like, what's the best hero? A lot of times they're not going to say cartoon because uh, it is a reliable hero, but it isn't a hero you'd pick for tournaments. It isn't a hero you'd pick to win the lobby, right? It's a hero you'd pick if you don't like the other options and you have a, you have a safe start and you're like, okay, I don't really want to think too hard. I want to just hero power return and go from there. Yeah, then... It's a great hero, but in terms of like, are there heroes that can perform better? For sure, right? Even though you look at the stats, right? You, if you are like just looking at the stats and you see Cthulhu, Jandis, Rafam, right? You're like, oh, Cthulhu's number one. Let me pick that. And then we're just looking at you like, yeah, wait a bit, <laughs> wait a minute. There might be other uh, lines that you could take advantage of if you know what you're doing that would make the other heroes better there. So it's just um. Just be careful, especially if you're really new, just like blindly following stats and tier lists and things like that, right? I, I always say pick heroes that you like to play, that you feel you do well, because you're going to perform better on those heroes because you have the experience and you you aren't 
feeling pressured, right? It always feels bad when you pick a hero that you, everyone says is good, and then every time you play, you do bad, and you're like, "What? I'm, do I suck? Do I just not know how to play the game?" Everyone says this is the best hero in the game, and I always get seventh or eight. What am I doing wrong, right? It just might not be a style for you, right? Maybe it's a risky hero. Maybe it's a overly safe hero, and things like that. And you play risky and things like that. So you just have to um, be aware what your strengths are and how to take advantage of these things. And Tom comforts in that uh, very well, right? If you see the pieces and you know you can commit to that and not take too much damage, it's a composition that you can run. Just like, don't force it. And, and it's not even something we say to, oh, you're a beginning player, you know, don't, don't worry about it. I have heroes that I look at and it's like, I don't care what the stats say. I'm not playing this. I'm playing what I want. I'm playing what I'm comfortable with. So for sure, there's just not enough time in one meta to get as comfortable on every single hero as the other one. So some heroes is just, you know, something you feel like playing more, you lean more towards it. So then there's nothing wrong with taking, even though the stats say it's, you know, like 2% worse, who cares? Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, uh, that's true. A lot of the stats, right? They're so close to each other, uh, especially these days, right? Usually, usually there's like a, a broken hero in the patch. Uh, and then everything is like warps around that broken hero. But right now, it doesn't really feel the case where there's a hero in the lobby and you're like, well, I can't win anymore. <laughs> so um, they're close enough where if you're comfortable with a hero, that's probably going to give you a better chance than picking a hero just because it has like a one or two percent higher uh, win rate in the stats. Uh, I guess another little thing for the uh, taunt comp we talked about. Right. Uh, because Deflecto. Uh, is a divine shield unit as well. You can do some really fun things where you have two deflectos taunted, but then you'll have them more towards the back and you'll have the resets more towards the front. And then you just hope that they miss into the deflectos and then you re-shield them with the resets in the front. That's something very powerful, very fun to do. So you'll have something like a harvest golem and a micro mummy with um, Anoya modules on them and then just two deflectos, Argus. And that can, you know, can be very frustrating for the opponent when, you know, their 40, 40 health dragon goes into like a 45 attack <laughs> deflecto, bonk, and then the other one hits the, the other one hits the shield of the micro mummy, the micro mummy resets the deflecto, like, no, that's going to kill another thing. I had a game like that. I had golden tensei, another sensei, both divine shield, both with micro machines and two deflectos, and then the arms, <laughs> they're all taunted. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was great because you get you get stats from the senses, you get stats from the arms, and you're just like ah. Then you get the reset as well from the micro machines. So. Yeah, so those are the taunt comes that do well. Not just you know I have four taunts and arms. When does the winning start? Right? Yeah, that's not how it works. All right, I think that shall be our most of the topics for today. So thank you guys for sticking around to the second episode you know we uh we made it you know Tur episode number two how do you feel today <laughs> oh well accomplished it yeah. is right it's been good time just flies by i looked at i think we're over like 40 minutes in i was like how is it 40 minutes this is ridiculous right so i guess that's the sign that we're having a good time yeah it, it's it's nice i i'm really glad we uh started these podcasts it's it it, it it feels good to talk about battlegrounds in like a structured way where we can kind of share ideas we do that already but not we do that like just between us we don't really talk about it with like the 
uh, everyone yeah, listening in. Share so. the secrets with the world. Like, yeah. hey, this is how you make it. No, not all the secrets, you know. You gotta, yeah. you gotta go to the streams for that one. Oh, like, <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for participating. We're still working on a couple things, like uh, just getting some more polish for the show, like the cover art. I still need to work on that. I, I kind of like the background for now, but you know, I wouldn't mind a change up. I would need a starting screen, you know, changing the titles, things like that. But generally, you know, we kind of will cruise as we go and we'll upgrade as, you know, things are available to us or we feel like doing that extra work. But we do have, we definitely appreciate the feedback, appreciate the comments uh, and improvements, things like that. Things you want to add, things, uh, little segments, right? I think adding interesting segments would be also pretty cool if uh, we can get that going. So there's a lot of, a lot of little things that will get improved as we go along as we get more comfortable things like that but generally we're just you know we're just doing what we do uh no, interesting thing the podcast is now on spotify and apple Podcasts. if you like to consume your podcast there you can find us i thought that was nice so you know if you want to do that kind of thing you go and go look it up you know we exist now so that's nice <laughs> Uh, and uh, you can reach us, uh, Educated Collins, at Twitter, Educated Collins on Twitch. You have to put an underscore. It's on, on the screen. And uh, Shady, where can we reach you? Uh, just Shady Bunny on Twitch, and I think it's F2K Shady Bunny on Twitter. Like, I don't even I don't even use it enough to know it by heart, but I'm pretty, pretty sure it's that. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. We will got to get a good name we will figure it out you know i've got the hsbgs because it wasn't taken when i googled it <laughs> easy <laughs> but yes i that that's all we got for you the guys today we'll probably i'll probably play a little bit after the stream but uh thank you guys for joining us and we will see you guys next week you know hopefully thanks for listening see you next week guys